We've asked our our youth and our college career aides to stay in uh, the main auditorium here tonight, and uh, we're going to be um, just turning over this pulpit to her, and she's going to be speaking on a very important subject tonight. It's the subject of depression. And we know there's a spiritual component to that, but we also know there's a physiological component to it. And uh, Dr. Myers brings together all of her uh, many years of experience and training and education, but also she brings to that uh, understanding the wisdom of having been uh, filled with the Holy Ghost since she was 18 years old, pastor's wife for many, many years, and understanding the spiritual aspect of it as well. So we are so happy. We're going to invite her to just come. You can be seated, and I believe, do you want me to bring the podium down to the altar area, or do you want to stand up here? All right, she's going to stay up here. All right, would you welcome Dr. Myers? God bless her. Thank, <clears throat> thank you. I uh, wanted to ask the people way in the back if they could come up front a little. My voice is not... Last time I said that, they said it was okay, but to me it's, <laughs> it's not that loud. So anyway, if you can come forward a little bit, that'll help me. So I want to talk to you about depression, the freedom from depression tonight. And um, I want to talk about what it is, what it isn't, how to deal with it, and how to have victory. That's what we're talking about, freedom. Freedom from all of these uh, things that come against us, fear and anxiety. And then tonight we're going to talk about depression. Depression is uh, known as the common cold of emotional problems. It is very, very common. It doesn't happen to crazy people or unusual people or people of a certain age or a culture. It happens to people everywhere. In fact, one out of six people worldwide experience depression. So it can happen to anyone. In America, approximately 37% of women suffer from depression and 21% of men. And they tell us the reason for the difference. There may be as many men, but men do not um, like to talk about their feelings. They don't seek counseling as much as women do. And so it's probably not reported, but those are the statistics that we have. In 2022, depression among young adults ages 18 to 25 was 17.2% and 16.9% among those that are 12 to 17 years old. Probably all of us know someone that has been depressed or is depressed. I certainly do because I counsel people that are in that category. But I want to say this, that if you know someone that is depressed, and you probably do or you probably will, don't try to talk them out of it. 
like they could just do something and magically just come out of it like a fog is something that's very real. And many times it just comes out of nowhere. I've heard a couple of ministers lately talk about how all of a sudden they had these feelings of anxiety. It just came. And um, I'm going to talk about the natural components and also the spiritual because it's both. And I do believe the enemy plays a part in it as well as other uh, factors that we're going to talk about. But what I want to say is have a little compassion for people that are depressed. It's very real or anxious. And don't try to figure it out for them. Just be there for them. Just be there for them. If they say, you know, I'm just feeling so sad, I just don't know why, don't say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. You know, you got a good husband, you got a good job, you got good kids, I mean, why are you feeling sad? It's not rational. Depression is not always rational. It's not because they don't have a lot of those things. So don't, don't try to tell them they're not if they are. Because if they are, they are. Just be there for them and try to be empathetic. Presently, we have been hearing every day about this war in Israel. And um, I heard our Secretary of State, Mr. Blinken, say something uh, last week that has just resonated with me. And I thought it was applicable to what I'm talking about tonight. What Mr. Blinken said was, the one prerequisite for victory is clarity. The one prerequisite for victory is clarity. If you're in a battle, you need to be clear about who the enemy is, what your weapons are, and how you're going to fight. And tonight, I want to talk to you and try to clearly explain what depression is, what it isn't, what causes it how you can lessen the effects of it and finally get the victory over it. So number one in your handout, does anyone need a handout doesn't have one? Has everybody got one? If you do, raise your hand. If you don't have one, and then Usher will get you one. So number one in your outline there is what causes depression? There is really no one cause of depression. It is multi-dimensional. There are many causes. Um, and tonight we are going to talk about some of them. Uh, biochemical, that is one. Interpersonal factor that lead to depression. Emotional, cognitive and um, those are the ones that I'm going to try to cover. Now, a lot of times, 
there's more than one of those that's present when a person is depressed. It could be more than one of these that we're going to uh, talk about. But first of all, A, on your um, outline, let's talk about the biochemical uh, factors that can lead to depression. Biologically, if there is anyone in your family, a blood relative that has ever suffered from depression, you are more apt to also suffer from depression. Your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, uh, your siblings, anyone that has ever suffered depression uh, puts anyone in the family in a position to uh, go through that as well. When I was in college, we used to run charts on famous people. I remember one was Jane Fonda, and uh, there was a lot of depression, suicide. Her history, uh, it was uh, very checkered with uh, members that had suffered from depression. So biologically, uh, that's something I always ask uh, if I have a client coming in uh, for help with depression is, has there been anyone in your family that has had depression? And chemically, uh, we, our brains are so amazing. And so much has come to light in the last few years with brain imaging that helps us to understand human personality and why we act the way we do and even why we feel the way we do and why we think the way we do. So there are brain chemicals that God has put in our brain that actually make us feel good, like dopamine and norepinephrine are two of them. Uh, if we have a depletion of those in our brain, we can be depressed. And then we have other brain chemicals like cortisol, where if you have an abundance of that, you definitely will be depressed. So we have this chemical component in our brain that can cause us to feel either positive or negative. Another biochemical factor is how we react to stress. Now, we all have stress. It's just you cannot live without stress. And you have stress over maybe finances, maybe health problems, maybe family problems. But stress is just a part of life, isn't it? We, we can't say we've never been stressed. But if we do not learn how to handle stress, uh, too much stress releases this chemical in our brain that I've mentioned, which is cortisol, and that causes depression. So we have to learn how to handle stress because we are living in a stressful world. Now, B in your outline is interpersonal activities. Um, 
how we get along with people. Uh, marital problems can be a very big factor that leads to depression because one of the things about depression is a person loses hope. So if you're in a marriage where there is continual bickering and fighting and you know everything you do and try to do and uh, uh, even uh, many times you know go to counseling but maybe he doesn't want to go or she doesn't want to go or you try to keep it in you know you put on this facade and and you don't want people to know that you want everybody to think you got this nice happy home and everything is great but everything's not great so uh, those kinds of things can lead to stress that can lead to depression uh, people uh, when there's a, a breakup when there's a divorce a divorce is right at the top of uh, the uh, charts of what leads to stress anxiety and depression uh, and um, even with young people uh, that break up, you know, people, uh, boys and girls, young people, uh, they break up and then they go into some kind of depression. I was thinking about that, and I know we have our young people, and I'm glad they're here. But I remember young people, I was in high school, and I used to ride the bus. And there was this one girl we picked up at the end of our street, and she was always there. And I began to realize that we weren't stopping at that stop anymore. We weren't picking her up. So it went on a few days and a week, and I finally said to one of my friends, well, where is so-and-so? And they looked down, and they looked very sad, and they said, well, didn't you hear? And I said, no, what happened? Said, well, her boyfriend broke up with her, and she committed suicide. Now, that's not unusual. That happens. So we need to pay attention to your children, your spouse, your friends, anyone that seems to be depressed because it can lead to suicide. Um, it can be related to grief issues like the loss of a significant person in your life, a husband, a wife, a, a child, uh, terrible grief and that can lead to deep depression you're never going to see that person again that can lead to a sense of hopelessness um, and then another factor is role transitions uh, if you've gone through a divorce then you go from being married you have to transition to being single um, if you um, were a homemaker, but now you have to go to work. And so you have to transition from the home to some kind of job. Um, so those kinds of transitions sometimes are hard to deal with and they can cause one to be depressed. Another one, uh, if you look at your outline there, uh, we are on B, 
is uh, social withdrawal. Now, this is a really big one because I want you to remember this. If you've got a pencil, write it on your, on your outline. Isolation leads to depression. Isolation leads to depression. God has made all of us to need each other. That's why the church is so great, isn't it? Isn't it great to have brothers and sisters in the Lord? I look forward to seeing you all every weekend. I really do. But if you ever get to the place where things are not going right one way or one reason or another, and so you begin to withdraw, that is the worst thing you can do. The very worst thing you can do is to withdraw from people. We need each other. We do. God has made us that way. And so when this pandemic hit, uh, it has become very well known that a lot of anxiety and depression became prevalent among young people and older people alike because they were alone. You didn't see your friends at school, uh, people that used to work and had co-workers. They, they didn't get to fellowship with them. And uh, it's social withdrawal is very negative when it comes to being mentally healthy. Don't withdraw yourself from people. Um, hundreds of studies confirm that isolation hurts us and connection heals us. You can write that down. Let me say it again. Isolation hurts us, but connection heals us. We have got to connect with each other. We cannot live happily isolated. There are some very interesting uh, statistics about how beneficial it is to have friends, older people, for instance, who have had at least one close friend, have better blood vessels, less stress hormones, and are healthier than isolated people. And that goes for younger people as well. They have less cortisol, which is that feel-bad uh, uh, brain chemical, less inflammation, less insulin, and lower blood sugar. In one study, both men and women were three times more likely to survive a heart attack if they were socially connected socially connected so there's such a benefit not only mentally but physically to stay connected with people one of the first questions I ask my clients when they come in and present with a problem is who is your support system How, who are your friends and if they don't have any I know I'm going to have a harder job because it's hard to be isolated. We need that support system. So uh, socially, uh, under your interpersonal, under B, 
social withdrawal that can lead to depression. Poor people skills. You would like to have friends, but you don't know how. You just don't know how to make friends or keep friends. You need to learn how. You need to learn how because poor social skills can also lead to depression. Now, under C, behavioral symptoms, and we've talked about withdrawing, uh, that will lead to depression. Now, one of the big factors, one of the things we look for when um, we're trying to determine is this person just feeling bad once in a while, they don't really have a depression problem, they just have moods. Because, you know, none of us are just happy-go-lucky. Maybe my son, he's <laughs> he's always seems to be happy. <laughs> but a lot of us, we you know, we have our moods. And my mom, it used to be, I used to laugh at my mom because she always said Monday was her bad day. Don't ask me why. Blue Monday, she called it. And she'd say, Booba, this is Monday, and I just don't feel good. I don't fun, love, and happy-go-lucky person. So uh, people that have mood fluctuations, that's not depression. That is not depression. But one of the criteria that we look for to determine if a person is clinically depressed is... They have no pleasure and no interest in life. What used to be enjoyable, they don't enjoy anymore. They don't want to be with people. They don't want to be, they don't want to go places anymore. That is a real red flag. If you know anyone and all of a sudden their personality changes like that and they just they want to stay home uh, they don't want to go to places that they used to go with you uh, that is a great way to pay attention because that person is probably headed for depression so be careful about that. Or if you find yourself being that way, where nothing interests you, you've just lost interest in life. Just nothing interests you. Nothing is fun. Everything is, is negative. That's, uh, that's a real red flag. Um, they cannot function. Uh, again, what we look for when we're trying to determine if a person is really depressed is can they function at home can they clean the house can they cook and if they're in school uh, how are they doing uh, their grades plummeting uh, all of a sudden they don't want to go to school uh, how about on the job? They can't do their job anymore. Those are real red flags that show us this is not just a person that's having a bad day. This is someone that's headed down that slope and headed for clinical, what we call clinical depression. Okay. 
under C, unable to function. And then, of course, uh, C under C. Uh, the way they're trying to fight it is they're drinking or taking drugs. And, of course, that's a downward spiral. Uh, life is, they can't handle it, so they have relied trying to get through depression or anxiety by taking drugs or alcohol. Uh, okay, look at two, symptoms. Here are some of the symptoms of depression. Sadness, feeling bad about yourself. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I skipped D, back up. I skip D. Thoughts, and this is a real important one. D, under what causes the depression. Your thought life. You can think yourself into depression. Did you know that? You can. Now, last uh, session we talked about anxiety, which is a cousin. They're cousins. People that are depressed many times are anxious. They're cousins. We call them cousins because they're very similar. There are some differences, but they're similar. And this is, your thought life is so important when you're trying to get over anxiety or depression. How you think is very important. So here's how people think that are headed for depression. I'm a failure. It's my fault. Nothing good ever happens to me. Nothing. I'm worthless. There's nothing good in my life. People don't like me. The world is a scary place. Things will never change. The world would be better without me. And that's a suicidal thought. Now, uh, last, last session that I taught on anxiety, uh, I spent a lot of time about the wrong way to think. And there is something called ANTS, A-N-T-S, and what that stands for is automatic negative thoughts. And this well-known psychiatrist, Dr. Amen, came up with this, Daniel Amen. A-N-T-S, you've got to kill the ants. Automatic negative thoughts. And we talked about in our last session how our brain has a negative bias. It really does. Your brain wants to be negative. I can't say it any more clear than that. It, it wants to be negative. It has a bias. It has a bent. And the way that you can prove that to yourself is, you know, you can get, let's say when I get through this talk tonight, that... You know, some really kind people will come up and say, oh, Dr. Myers, that was so good. You know, I learned so much, and you did such a great job. You know, five or ten people could come up to me and say the nicest things. You know, I, I really, really enjoyed that. And one person, just one, can come up to me and say, I didn't understand a word you were saying. <laughs> that was way over my head. 
I think you should have made it clearer. And guess what? Guess what's human nature? I will remember that a long time and it'll stay in my mind longer than all those compliments. That is really the way we're wired. And they say the way that our brain is wired to be negative is because of survival. That, you know, years ago, people had to worry about um, where they were going to get water or food or they had... uh, Life was hard, and so they they had to think of the worst possible thing. I know my husband, uh, he used to, and this is not a bad thing, but he used to say, uh, well, think about, in fact, David uh, mentioned that when he would uh, want to do things uh, to promote the church and all, he said, my husband would just think, well, what's the worst possible thing that could happen if he did that? And if it wasn't some great something, he'd say, okay, David, right? He'd say, go ahead and try it. And he used to, you know, uh, tell us that. And so it's a survival thing, like what's the worst possible thing that can happen? And then you, you prepare for it. But a lot of our negativism is unnecessary. Most of what we worry about doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And it's usually something in the future. It's what's going to happen. It's not what's happening now. So we have to be careful about what thoughts we let take up space in our brain. And so um, this ants, these negative thoughts, here's some of them. All or no thing or nothing. We see everything in black and white. That's not healthy. Everything is not black and white. There's a lot of gray areas. So don't think in black and white. Always thinking. Words like always, never, no one, everyone, every time, everything. No. Don't let those words take up a lot of space in your brain. Those are negative. I'm always going to be fat. (laughs) That's negative, right? I'm always going to get bad grades. I'm never going to have friends. Get rid of those words. Always, never, no one. Focusing on the negative, only seeing the bad, which is easy to do. Fortune telling. These are automatic negative thoughts. Ants. Predicting the worst possible outcome of a situation. You know, I just know that this is going to turn out wrong. Or like my getting up here tonight, uh, it's going to be a disaster. (laughs) I could think that. Now, last time, some of you were here, and I had a good audience. And I had so many papers, David. And I was trying to do the thing there the doc cam and all of you know i was so embarrassed and i got my papers mixed up and i was saying denise would you help? and guess what i don't have too many papers tonight i learned my lesson <laughs> um, and i don't have that thing going either <laughs> anyway uh but i could say i'm you know i'm never gonna speak again never because i just fumbled the ball but here i am right 
Okay, mind reading. You think you know what people are thinking. Guess what? The only people, the only one that knows our thoughts is God. Somebody looks at you the wrong way and you think, they don't like me. They just don't like me. I can tell by the way they look at me. That's mind reading. Thinking with your feelings. I feel like you don't love me in a marriage. That's, that's disaster. Well, I tell you I love you, but I just feel like you don't. You just don't love me. I just feel that way. Don't go by your feelings. I have a really nice, uh, uh, I have a lot of handouts I give people in counseling. Feelings are not facts. They're not facts. They're just feelings. And you don't want to live by your feelings. It's just a feeling. And when you have the feeling, say to yourself, is this a feeling or is it a fact? Most of the time, it's just a feeling. And then... uh, Guilt, And here's those guilt words in one of these sessions I'm going to talk about guilt. Here they are. Thinking in words like ought, should, must, have to. Get rid of those words. Too many oughts. Oh, I ought to do this, and I need to do that, and I must do this, and I should do that. You will drive yourself and everybody else crazy. Get rid of all those words. Labeling, labeling, labeling yourself and others like stupid, lazy. So those are some ants. And if you want a copy and you weren't in my class last time, I'll get you a copy because that's really good stuff. Okay, let's go back to the outline. Um thoughts yes be careful what you think just because you think something doesn't mean it's true brother Tenney and I use him as an example all the time David brother T.F. Tenney I'll never forget one of his sermons he said your thoughts are like birds flying over your head they just fly they just come in the window they come out You don't know where all these thoughts come from. It's like birds flying over your head. Okay, you can't help that, but don't build a nest for them to light on. Just let them go. Just let them go. Another thing I told my class about thoughts that I want to tell you is a good visual uh, when you find yourself being negative and thinking negative things, think of a red stop sign, those octagon stop signs, and stop thinking that way. You really have to train yourself to be positive. It's not natural because we have a negative bent in our brain. Uh, so thoughts can lead to depression. Now, number two symptoms here's some symptoms and I've talked about some of them but here's some others sadness depressed people are very sad and it's really sad that they are but that's part of it they feel bad about themselves they have trouble sleeping and eating depressed people have a hard time concentrating fatigue they're always tired 
feeling emotionally numb. Like I said, they have lost their zest for life. They don't enjoy anything anymore. They feel hopeless. They really do. They just feel like there's nothing is ever going to change. They're always going to be sad. Um, they move and speak slowly, and then they have suicidal thoughts. And you know, I mentioned Elijah last session, and I want to mention him again. But would you say that Elijah was spiritual? How many of you think Elijah was spiritual? Yeah. I mean, he was a prophet, and he called down fire from heaven. And you think he had a walk with God? How many of you think Elijah had a walk with God? Yeah, I think so. But guess what? He got so depressed. And you know, in 1 Kings 19 it is. After he killed, uh, after he called down fire from heaven and heard that Jezebel wanted to kill him, what did he do? He ran away and went into the wilderness and he said to the Lord, Lord, Take my life. Is that depression? Is that suicidal? Yeah. And guess what? He thought he was all alone. He said, you know, I'm the only one that uh, is standing for you. Here's 800 false prophets that are bowing their knee to Baal, and I'm the only one. So he felt alone. He felt like he didn't have a support system. And so he said, I may as well die. I may as, I mean, he had been so, you see how irrational that is? He had been so successful. Depression is not rational. It's not rational. And so what did the Lord do? The Lord fed him. The Lord spoke to him. And the Lord gave him a friend. He gave him Elijah. And guess what? Elijah never left him. He was with him everywhere he went. He needed a friend. So when you hear people say, oh, you got the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't be depressed. You got the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't be anxious. You've got the Holy Ghost. You just need to go pray. Now, you know I believe in prayer. But having the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you're never going to be depressed. Because Elijah was depressed. So remember that. Don't ever think because a person is depressed that they're not spiritual. Or they don't pray. I had a girl come... And I, she was very depressed, not in this church. And um, sad to say, her parents said didn't want her to come. They said, all you need to do is go to the altar and pray. And I'm not, you know I'm not against prayer. I'm not against prayer. But as my son said, and we're going to talk about it, if I'm going to hurry here, uh, there are natural and there are spiritual things that we can do to overcome depression. Um, okay, so let's look at three. Natural and spiritual ways to prevent or control depression. Number one, you've got to control your thinking. Think positive things. 
think positive, stay away from, neg- and I'm going to say something else, stay away from negative people. Now, I think you need to be nice to everybody and love everybody, but listen, if you want to get down, just stay around people that are always griping and complaining and negative. I mean, you will become negative because you're like the people that you're around. So don't be around negative people and don't you be negative. Uh, Assess and eliminate negative thoughts. People that are negative and depressed, there's three areas. They're depressed about themselves. They're depressed about people. And they're depressed about the world. All three. People, themselves, and the world. They've lost hope in all those areas. Assess and eliminate negative thoughts about yourself, people, and the world. Now, the spiritual uh, part there that you need to do is look at that scripture in 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, bring every thought into captivity. The Bible has a lot to say about thinking. As a man thinketh, so is he. And this is great scripture. Bring every thought. Don't just let your thoughts run rampant. Paul said, bring every thought into captivity. Think positive things. I love Philippians 4.8. Because Paul says, look, if there's anything good or just or a good report or lovely, think about that. Don't think about bad things. That's what the Bible says. Think about good things. Okay. Control your thinking. I'm going to get there. That was A. All right. Think positive thoughts. Pay attention to your thoughts. Uh, This is probably on the back side now of your outline. Pay attention to your thoughts. Proverbs, keep your heart, your thought life with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Do you have that on the back side of your handout? Another thing that's very helpful to ward off depression is to cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving. It has been proven that thankful people are happier people. Look for something to be thankful about. The Bible speaks about being thankful. In First Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. And how can we control our behavior? You see, here's how it is. We have thoughts, behavior, and feelings. And those three just kind of circulate and affect one another. But the feelings, how you feel, is really affected by how you think and what you do. 
It's easier to change your thinking and your behavior than it is to change your feelings because feelings just come upon you. But if you want to change how you feel, you have to change how you think and how you behave. Does that make sense? Okay, so we talked about the thinking. Now controlling your behavior. Exercise. Exercise is really good for depression. You know why? It releases that good chemical dopamine. You know, you can feel down and bad and sometimes just go out and take a walk and you feel better. That's because chemically it works. It releases those good chemicals. So days that you're not feeling good, do something physical. Take a walk. Do something uh, and it'll reduce, it'll release those good chemicals in your brain. Exercise. And I talked about commit and connect. We have got to stay connected with each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one, for if they fall, the other, if they fall, the one will lift up the other. You know, right in the very beginning, God told Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for anybody to be alone. You may not have a wife or a husband, but you can have friends. You can have acquaintances. Stay connected with people. Now, number four is when we've done all these things, we're trying to correct our thinking and our behavior. Uh, then we're going to pray these promises. And God forbid that we would ever minimize prayer. All of you know I went through anxiety, depression, and panic attacks. I've been through all of it. And I'm really glad because I understand it from a personal standpoint, not only from what I've been taught. And I will tell you that God really doesn't want you to be depressed. I believe that. We talked um, in our last session about fear, which is what anxiety is. Anxiety is fear. They're synonymous. And God doesn't want us to be fearful. And I said before, and I'll say it again, if you ever all of a sudden just get fearful, and I, you know, I don't like flying, and I've always used that as an example and how I try to overcome that fear of flying. Uh, say to yourself, as soon as you start feeling afraid, that's not God. Because God is not in the business of making us afraid. That's not God. So if it's not God, it may be the devil, right? And how many times are the words fear not in the Bible? 366 times. One for every day and one left over. <laughs> one, le one bonus. So I am convinced that God does not want us, brothers and sisters, he doesn't want us to be fearful. He doesn't want us to be anxious. Now it happens because we're human. It happens. Stress 
we get overloaded. It happens. But always remember that God doesn't want you. You may go through that, but he can take you to the other side like he did me. Uh, he can, you, we never want to take uh, the spiritual component out of any of this. Uh, I never counsel people uh, with any kind of theory that I cannot back up by the word of God. Never. There are theories that are totally unscriptural. But I know that God doesn't want you to be depressed and God doesn't want you to be anxious and God doesn't want you to be afraid. He really doesn't. Does it happen? Yeah, it happens. Just like we get sick in our body. And don't ever be ashamed if you get depressed or anxious because you're just human. And sometimes, like I said, our brain, those chemicals, sometimes life is, is difficult. And some people have such health problems. Uh, it's just amazing that God is able to keep them from being totally depressed when I think about it. So pray these scriptures and think about two second. I'm in four now. Pray these promises. Second Timothy 1.7, he hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So whenever you feel that way, you just say, Lord, I've got the Holy Ghost, and I know that you have given me a spirit of power and of a sound mind. And then Galatians 5.22, for the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Now, what depressed people don't have is no peace and no joy. But guess what? Those are fruits of the Spirit. We have the Holy Ghost. And if you're depressed or you're fighting depression and I think you should do all that you can do and all those things I mentioned in the natural, but in the spiritual, pray that prayer. Lord, I want to have joy. I just don't have any joy in my life. And, you know, I, 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 uh, I use a lot of the examples uh, with the lesson on anxiety. But I had a minister's wife's friend, um, Sister Buller. And she told me one day at general conference, she said, you know, Sister Myers, I don't have any joy. Now, I don't know if she was depressed. Uh, I know she went through a transition of being pastor's wife and then no longer pastor's wife and, and that's a transition and she said you know I just didn't have any joy and she said I went to the Lord and I said Lord I want some joy in my life I just don't have any joy and guess what the Lord caused her to discover she had a talent sister Richie for painting and she started painting, and she got joy. But the Lord had given her a gift, and she had forgotten. And when she prayed for joy, 
God evidently brought it back to her mind. And she had beautiful paintings. She showed them to me. You know, God is so good. He says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden. Depression is a, is a, it's a, it's a sad thing and anxiety. But God doesn't want you to stay there. Maybe you're gonna, maybe you've gone through it. Maybe you're going through it now. But just remember, God can take you through it and take you on the other side. And we can pray for peace and we can pray for joy. So I hope this has helped you. I hope that uh, you have a better understanding of what depression is and, and what it isn't. And I will now turn it back to your pastor and my son. Wasn't that excellent? Thank you, Dr. Myers. I think about how blessed we are in this church to have Bishop and Dr. Myers. They really are a treasure. And uh, I just thank you for always uh, realizing that, recognizing that, and uh, treating them so special. Because we won't always have them with us. But they are here now, and God has given them just great longevity of life and wisdom and clear minds and thinking i my mom says i want to i want to get to a hundred son and i said i think you'll get there it's going to depend on how well you treat your son (laughs) she said actually the bible says it's the other way around She said something about, you'll be healthy if you treat your mother well. And I said, that must be why I'm so healthy. (laughs) We have a great time, but God is good. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful to be a part of the brothers and sisters of East Wind. What a joy it is. And uh, I just want to say this. Don't suffer in silence. God has given you a family of believers, brothers and sisters that will help you pray. So many times we want to just deal with things on our own. We don't want to bother anyone. And we sometimes don't realize that God has given us all of these helps. One another, scripture, the Holy Ghost, and counselors. And so don't uh, don't be ashamed, as Dr. Myers said tonight. If you uh, just need someone to talk to, that's what we're here for. Let's support one another. Amen. And let's continue to lift up the Lord in our community. Why don't we stand together tonight? Amen. This has been so rich, so good, so practical. Thank you, Dr. Myers. Let's dismiss in prayer. Lord, we're thankful to be in your house tonight. Thankful, Lord, for your word that gives us clarity, understanding, wisdom. It gives us a path out of all of the different things that can happen in these natural bodies and in this natural world. We understand that there's the frailty of the flesh, but Lord, you are so good. You have helped us and you have brought us a mighty long way. We ask you, Lord, that you would continue, Lord, to just direct our steps. Let the word of God be in our hearts and minds and we'll give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.